I'm so glad Emily taught me that new song. It's beautiful. It's really about our church, isn't it? It's a mission and vision of our church. And So grateful for, for you all. The year 2023. 2023. Where do you think you'll be in 10 years? What do you think you'll be doing? What are you going to look like? What kind of person will you be in the year 2023? I've been thinking about that number all week. Especially in light of our current series, All In. Uh, You've heard me talk about All In throughout this series. You've, You've heard every week, as I've said, that this is a major vision series in the life of our church. You've heard me, you've heard me say that this is the biggest thing. Uh, that we've ever done in the history of our church. You've heard about what All In is, my faith, our church, the world. You've heard me talk about my faith as, as a pure discipleship, about the energies and activities and staffing to become more and more like Christ, my faith, our church. You've heard me talk about our church being about our campus improvements and about excellent children's facilities and updated student ministry space and connection space for adults and about making space for life change that we hope will happen. My church, my, my faith, our church, and the world. That's all missions, isn't it? You've heard me talk about supporting our current missionaries. You've heard me talk about some additional initiatives that we pray will happen. Uh, pastor is seen in Haiti and the church facility that he wants to build to create life change for the church that he's pastoring. And, and, and on a local front, you've heard me talk about um, partnering with our school district in the area of school readiness. And, and you've heard me talk about how we're praying God will give $4.5 million over the next two years to fund these initiatives All in, my faith, our church, the world. You've heard all of that. That said, what's the end game? When we get done with all in, what do we want to look like? A decade from now, when we look back to what we learned and committed to in the fall of 2013, what will we look like in 2023? That's the question. I asked that question to 40 of you in August, and here's what came back. I was really encouraged. Deeper faith, amazing grace, uncompromising truth, Christ-saturated life, and expanded evangelism. Wow. Deeper faith. I heard you tell me about, uh, in 2023, you want to be a church that, that exemplifies extraordinary dependence on God. In 2023, you want to be a church that enjoys trusting God. A church that takes joy in God even when that church doesn't know the future. We take joy because we know God knows. Deeper faith. Deeper faith. Amazing grace. Uh, in 2023, you, you want to be a church that, where people feel safe bringing their problems into the spiritual community. And they won't feel shunned. They won't feel ostracized for their hurts and habits 
and hang-ups. Amazing, amazing grace. Deeper faith, amazing grace, uncompromising truth. In 2023, we want to be a church that stays focused on the gospel. A church that is uncompromising when it comes to truth. In 2023, we want a church that, is, that has a Christ-saturated life where, where church becomes a full-time experience, not just a 70-minute section once a week. And then expanded evangelism, a congregation eager to share their faith with their friends and family. An, eager, an eagerness to help others taste and see that the Lord is good. And that means expanded missions projects and, and more partnerships with the under-resourced and, and more of an impact in our Champaign-Urbana community with the gospel. We want to see, we want to be a church in 2023 where people find their way back to God, where broken people can find their way back to God. And, and, and not just here, but we want to see that church thriving in Haiti. We want to see partnerships uh, continuing through missions trips I was so encouraged by hearing what 40 of you had to say. And, and, all of us know that we don't need to wait until then to become what God wants us to be now. Here's the deal, though. None of these things that I've mentioned so far can be done alone. We can't. Can't do it alone. If, God, if we're going to be all that God wants us to be, it's only going to happen by happening together. Which means this. You really cannot pursue Christ all by yourself. We talk about being a life-changing community, passionately pursuing Christ. You, you can't. You cannot pursue Christ all by yourself. You might say, well, I have, well, I have my Bible. Well, yes, and so do I. And, and you need the Bible's truth played out in the lives of other believers, you see. I like how C.S. Lewis once put it. Great quote. He once said, The more we share the heavenly bread between us, the more we all shall have. The more we share the heavenly bread between us, the more we all shall have. What does that mean? What's that mean? Well, well uh, let's, take, let's take my brothers and me. Uh, Robbie, Randy, Ricky. Those are the Bolting House boys. And uh, for the sake of the illustration, since he is the oldest... Let's just say something happens to Robbie. Heaven forbid. We'll kill him off in this illustration. <laughs> now it's just Ricky and me. Okay? Now I have Ricky all to myself. Ah, but C.S. Lewis would say, far from having Ricky all to myself, I actually have less of Ricky now that Robbie is gone. And Why? Because now that Robbie is gone, I'll never get to see Ricky's reaction to one of Robbie's stupid jokes. <laughs> you see? You see, in each of my brothers, there is something that only the other brother can fully bring out. And so C.S. Lewis would say, we possess each friend not less but more as the number of those with whom we share him increases. See? Well, if that's true of Robbie, let's think higher. Jesus, see, 
Jeez, that's why we need community, because in community, we share the heavenly bread. And the more we share the heavenly bread between us, the more we all shall have. So my prayer is that in 2023, as a result of All In, it will be unmistakably clear that there's more of Jesus. We'll have more of Jesus because we have more community, more small groups, more believers, more conversions, more baptisms, more missions trips, more stories about Jesus in those trips, more faith stories like what you just heard from Mike and Brandy, the more we share the heavenly bread, the more we all shall have. That's my prayer for 2023. And I want you to see what this looks like, not just here in this world, but I want you to see what it looked like in the first century world. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the New Testament book of Acts, chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 40 to 47. Because these verses are all about sharing the heavenly bread in community. In community. You'll find Acts chapter 2, 40 to 47 on page 911 of your church Bibles. And, and these verses talk about God's vision for his church, not just in 2023, but today, here, now. Follow along with me. As I read. And with many other words, he, that is the Apostle Peter, bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the Apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is God's word. Now let me give you the backstory here. From these verses is that the, the apostle Peter has just preached a message that led to 3,000 baptisms in one spirit-empowered sermon. The group of 120 blew up to 3,000. Talk about a glorious chaos. Can you imagine that? 120 people suddenly become 3,000. Only the Holy Spirit can bring that about. Peter says in verse 40, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. What does he mean by that? Well, that word generation has to do with, has to do with an entire culture. So, you know, we often talk about the different cultures in our country. And so you, 
you can see that there's the, the greatest generation culture, the generation that took us through uh, the Depression and World War II, and then, and then their children, the baby boomer culture, and then what followed was the Generation X culture, and then the, the millennial culture. So each of these cultures contain a mindset. and so, so we're not just individuals. We really live in a culture within a mindset. And Peter says here that the, that the primary operating system of our lives must no longer be the mindset of our culture or our generation or our peers. Instead, the operating system is to be the spirit of Christ and the word of Christ. So, so to be a Christian changes everything about the way I think, the way I act. The, the gospel moves me to see all of my relationships, every relationship in my life, my family, my work, my identity, my identity in my culture. I see that in a new light, which means that the church itself is a culture, a, a, a generation. A counterculture, a new people, a new people, a multinational, multi-ethnic gospel community. We're not just a crowd of individuals who have each been saved by Jesus. We're an embassy of what heaven looks like under the rule of Christ. And that's what we see here. This was no ordinary Jerusalem crowd. Acts 2.5 says that, that there were people from all over the Roman Empire. Every nation under heaven was present. What incredible diversity. Hellenistic Jews, Hebraic Jews, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Libyans, Arabians, Romans, Cretans. One of the reasons why Christianity flourished was because it attracted all nations and all classes and all races. And suddenly the things that divided people didn't matter. Because they could talk about something deeper than politics or something deeper than their cultural identity. They talk about Jesus. I mean, have you who have been on missions trips or cross cultural experience, have you not sensed this when you've gone to the Dominican or when you've gone to Ethiopia? I mean, in my travels, I've experienced this. Going to Ukraine or Nepal or Thailand or Turkey or the Dominican Republic. I've, I've spoken and worshipped with the believers there and met with the pastors there. And even though I've just met them the very first time, I get this sensation, you know, I feel like I've known you for years even though I've never met you before. What is that? That is community in Christ. That's exactly what that is. And that's God's vision. And that's, that's his vision. That's his vision for us for 2023. It's also his vision for us today. A community of Christ followers who share the heavenly bread with themselves and their world. And that's what's behind verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And, and then verse 43, and awe came over every soul. As we look at these verses, I just, I, I want you to see that a gospel-centered community is comprised of some characteristics. I've got the words down in your outline. Truth, fellowship, worship, and awe. Awe. Let's just talk about each of these words 
in the time that remains. Beginning with truth, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the truth of God's word. The church is a community of truth. We don't come together primarily for social need or affinity. Our gathering is grounded on the great truths of God and his work in Jesus Christ. The early church was a culture committed to learning truth. And and not just the learning of what, but why. You see, verses 42 and 43 are connected. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. The, The signs and the wonders were not merely naked displays of power. They weren't done randomly. These miracles that the apostles performed validated what it was the apostles taught. And so the miracles gave God's people evidence that what the apostles said was true. And and the point here is that biblical faith is never a blind leap in the dark. Ever. That's not biblical faith. The Bible never describes faith as a blind leap in the dark. Rather, biblical faith is always a decision based on evidence. It's always evidence-based. And so here we have, in the book of Acts, a written affidavit from Luke of this historical event that occurred, which Luke has recorded based on eyewitness testimony. Eyewitness accounts have confirmed the supernatural signs that accompanied the preaching and teaching from the apostles. You can trust this word. It's truth. But it's not just truth that is to be learned. It's truth that is to be lived and played out in our lives and in our relationships. Because, you see, that's really what's the most important thing that keeps relationships whole. Isn't it truth? Isn't, isn't it truth? Community just cannot happen without truth. A dishonesty or untruth quickly unravels the sacred bonds of community. And the Apostle John tells us if we, if we walk in the light as God is in the light, we have fellowship, we have community with one another. And that means no pretending. No pretending, which leads to this question. What's the worst thing someone could possibly know about you? The worst thing. And what if someone in your church community knew that very thing? What would you possibly lose? Hmm? What would you lose? Well, you might lose two things. Number one, you might lose their approval. And secondly, you might lose your sense of self-righteousness. But how is that bad? To sharing the heavenly bread frees me from the addiction of other people's approval, even my own. And it frees me from unwarranted self-righteousness. And why? Because my identity is in Christ, not what other people think, not even what I think. And my righteousness comes from Christ, not my good behavior. And the truth is that I can rest in the identity that Jesus provides and the righteousness that he alone can give. (laughs) We're going to have the Lord's Supper um, a little later on in our service. And the Lord's Supper is not for those who've had a good week not it's for those who have no sense of self-righteousness and who find their identity in Jesus Christ that's what the Lord's Supper is for 
And the truth is I can, rest my, I can rest in the identity that Jesus provides and I can rest in the righteousness that he alone can give, which means I don't have to pretend anymore. I don't have to pretend anymore. And I don't have to keep up appearances. And I don't have to make sure that people have a certain impression of me. I, I can tell the truth. I can live truth. And that truth That truth needs to be told at every age level. What will we be in 2023? A community of truth. We want to use our campus as a meeting place for truth. We want truth to be taught at every age level. We want to tell the truth about God, ourselves, the Bible, Jesus, resurrection, heaven, hell, relationships, parenting, the nature of marriage, about relating to people at work, about who we are in Christ, about how to live a winsome life in a hostile world. There can be no community without a commitment to truth. We want to we teach what, and live what Jesus prayed. Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Truth in 2023. Truth today. Well, you can see how such a commitment to truth can lead to the next characteristic of the church in God's a vision, and that's fellowship. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. That's that word koinonia. We've, we've seen it in our study over Philippians. Partnership, association, connectedness. It means they came together. They came together in both large group experiences and small group experiences. They gathered to hear preaching and teaching in the temple and they gathered in each other's homes. That's what's behind verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So there was this large group dynamic and there was this small group dynamic. There was the stadium event and then there was the tailgate event. You need both. There's something about gathering in mass. Something about possessing that, that, that affinity, that solidarity in a group. It means I'm not alone. I'm a part of something larger than myself. I'm a part of a community, a family. And yet there's also something about gathering in a small space, an intimate place with other believers, even if it's just one other believer, where in that setting you can talk and pray together and share your struggles and your temptations and your weaknesses And you can ask your brother or sister in Christ for help. You need both. You do. Fellowship is where we put into play the many one another's in the New Testament. Here are a few. Galatians 5, 13. Through love, serve one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Encourage one another. Colossians 3, 16. Admonish one another. James 5.16, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another. So no wonder Acts 2.44 says that all who believed were together. So it's not that they simply gathered together. They were together. They had all things in common. And it's in being together that they shared. They were open-handed And they took care of each other. And Mike and Brandy's video faith story is a perfect example of what that looks like. And the power of that kind of love to reach others. Which leads me to uh, something I want to mention, church family. Now, um, each week when you fill out prayer requests on that little insert in your bulletin, 
On Tuesday mornings, 8.30, our staff prays for those requests. And um, so we had a prayer request last week. Here, here it is. We have no money, disabled, and government shutdown has not paid bills for two months. Please pray that our phone and power does not get turned off and that we can trust the Lord to get us through. Signed, Anonymous. So we took that request and we prayed. And I've been praying about this all week. But we want to do more than pray. We want to do more than pray. Um, We want to help. But I can't read your mind. Okay? So I don't know who Anonymous is. And there's no point in this. There's no point in all in. If, if all we're just going to do is pray, see. So, so I guess my request is that you know, somehow you let us know who you are. Uh, our elders will be up here. Brian Rummery is our associate pastor uh, over adult ministries. And he, he is our staff pastor who is in charge of benevolence. And, you know, let us be the church that God desires us to be by providing the kind of help that we would like to provide. This would give us joy and it would please the Lord. Okay? Okay? Truth. Uh, Fellowship. And then worship. Worship, the breaking of bread and prayers. Well, this is, this is both table fellowship and it's also a celebration of the Lord's Supper. They gather to meet and pray and they gather to remember what Jesus had done for them. They gather to remember that he was the long-awaited Messiah, that he was the fulfillment of God's promises, that Jesus is the deliverer who will take away their sins. And in the breaking of bread, God's community remembers the heavenly bread. And how by grace through faith, his blood takes away our sin. His blood lets us stand before a holy God without being consumed by his holiness. In the breaking of bread, we remember that Jesus climbed the tree of death so that we can have the tree of life. And in the breaking of bread, we are reminded what we have been rescued from, the kingdom of darkness. And in the breaking of bread, we are reminded what we've been rescued for, you see. We, we, God has created a new people who are to be zealous for good works. Uh, our good works are not in order to be saved. Our good works is because that's what saved people do. We're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. All of that is brought to our minds when we break bread in communion. Truth and fellowship and worship and then awe. Awe-inspired evangelism. That's what's going on in verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day 
those who were being saved. So there's this, this spirit of wonder, this spirit of you've got to see this, you've got to taste this, that fueled their evangelism and outreach. Their lives were changed, and they had to share the wonder. And, and it was when they shared the wonder that the wonder was all the more complete. So, so the desire is incomplete until it is expressed. The delight. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. Like when you listen to music that you love and enjoy, you see an athlete in motion. You witness the majesty of the Grand Canyon. There's something about the beauty of that that makes you want to grab someone and say, look at that, look at that. Beauty demands praise. And the, and the joy you get from the beauty has to get out. It has to. And uh, this kind of happened uh, Friday. Uh, I was uh, finishing up um, my message uh, Friday afternoon, and it's around 4.30-ish, and my cell phone goes off, and it's Sarah. She says, you've got to go outside right now. What? I mean, I, our building's not on fire. We're fine. What's happening? What? You've got to go outside right now and see this glorious sunset. Pinks and purples and the, and the glow and... and, and um, well, sweetheart, there's an office wall in my way. I can't see this, you know, and uh, go outside. And Honey, there's a row of houses in my way. I can't see this. But I sure enjoyed listening to her enjoyment. She, really. Our, our praise of Christ is not complete until we share Christ. So when we gather together, we're saying, look at him. Look at him. You know, wh- wh- why do we meet every day? Look at him. When we're serving and ministering and we're at the Habitat house, look at him, look at him. See, Look at what he's done. Jesus is not just some nice guy. He was broken for us. He died for us. The Father raised him from death. He's alive. His spirit is in us. Without him, where would we be? Where, where would you be without the shepherd in your life? Paul Miller has written a book called The Praying Life. And he answers that question. He takes the reader to Psalm 23. And he says, here's what Psalm 23 looks like without the shepherd. You just have, you kind of have to see it to fully appreciate it. Verse 1, my, I shall be in want. Verse 2, me, me. Verse 3, my soul, me. Verse 4, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear. Me, me. Verse 5, me in the presence of my enemies. My head, my cup. Verse 6, me all the days of my life. I will dwell. That's what your life looks like without the shepherd. Without Christ, we're left obsessing over our wants. Without Christ, without Christ, we're left alone in the valley of death. Without Christ, we're, we're paralyzed by fear. Without Christ, we're left defenseless. Without Christ, we're left in the presence of our enemies. Without Christ, we're left. We're left. But with Christ, we have all we need. With Christ, We're never alone. With Christ, death is but a doorway to life, to a feast, to a home forever with Christ. Don't you see fellowship in Christ, breaking bread to remember Christ, prayers to Christ, awe-inspired evangelism about Christ? The church God wants is a church that is 
fully focused on Christ. It's all about him. The more we share the heavenly bread between us, the more we all shall have. Hey, here's a thought. Let's start being the church of 2023 today. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you are why we gather. Help us to remember that. Thank you so much that you climbed the tree of death so that we could have the tree of life. Thank you so much for your truth. Thank you so much for your spirit that makes us one. Thank you so much for being the one truly worthy person that we must worship. And thank you that we become more like you as we worship you. Thank you, Lord, for filling us with such awe that we have a reason to share you. And continue to be the center of our community so that less and less we think of ourselves and more and more we think of you. And thank you that in these symbols, these physical, tangible objects of bread and juice, we are, we are taken. Taken to remember what we've been rescued from and what we've been rescued for. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.